This is Shop Talk Radio, episode 33, with Satya Twina. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. What is up, Shop Talk Creatives? I'm excited to bring to you today's guest, Satya Twina. She is a newfound friend of mine, an amazing woman, very inspiring, and she is a hat maker here in New York City. She bought a hat factory about a year ago and has a powerful story on how and why she did that, but I'll let her get into that in this episode. Sati and I met a couple months ago when she invited me up to her factory to come and make a hat. And much to my surprise, I've never actually really understood how hats were made. And this opened my eyes to a whole new world. And what's really cool is you can actually choose anything you want. You can build it any way you want. They have hundreds of crowns and brims and different things that you can choose from. And the people there have been working in that factory for 30, 40 years. And they actually used to make Frank Sinatra's hats in that factory and a bunch of other big cats, big players. As some of you may know or have seen on social media, we've actually been working on an exciting project for MTV, filming me and a bunch of things that I'm up to. And one of the things we did last week was we actually had a Create Your Moments hat making party at Satya's factory. Super fun. I got a curated group of creative individuals uh, together and for powwowing inspired conversation and some good old-fashioned hat making one thing i really love is introducing highly talented creative people to see what they can build together after all life is about the people that we meet and the things that we create with them so check it out. Go to the podcast page, shoptalkradio.com slash EP33 to check out the photos of Satya, but also check out the little animations and the time lapse of making a hat. You can also check out Satya's website, S-A-T-Y-A-T-W-E-N-A.com. That's satyatwina.com. And there's also a couple of videos and a little bit more on the process. But what we're going to do is we're going to run a contest and give away a free hat making experience here in Manhattan. And you'll get a chance to win. It's a $450 experience. So all you have to do is either live in New York City or get yourself to New York City if you win the contest. And the contest is going to be done through social media. This contest is going to be one of creativity to get a creative brainstorm going. And what I want you guys to do is come up with your most creative idea of what you would like to see put and built into a hat. It could be anything. It could be a pocket. It could be a place to hold your key. It could be a feather, a type of feather, whatever. The idea is for you to come up with whatever it is and we'll decide who has the best idea. But what you're going to do is go on to Satya's Instagram at Satya Twena. That's S-A-T-Y-A-T-W-E-N-A. 
find the post on the hat making contest and post your suggestion there. Tag me at Nick Onken, N-I-C-K-O-N-K-E-N as well in the post so that I know you have posted and I can take a look at it. I'll also post on my Instagram a couple of the hats that I made at her factory and you can see some of those on the podcast page. We will be picking the winner by November 19th, so be sure and get your submissions in by then. Satya's story, which you'll hear on this episode, is a very powerful story, very inspiring, and her energy is vibrant and infectious. So without further ado, let's jump in. What's up, guys? We've got Satya Twina in the house. She's an Woo-hoo. expert, creative <laughs> hat maker, and we'll get deeper into that. But welcome to Shop Talk Radio, Satya. Woohoo! So happy to be here. This is awesome. Yes. I'm like vibrating. I'm so excited. <laughs> I love it. I love your energy. Yeah. And I know we're going to have a lot of great things to talk about here. So. Why don't you start out and just give us the lowdown where you're from, what you do, how, and then we'll get into like how your journey of, of getting there. Yeah. So I grew up in Southern California and mm. now live in New York City. I am a hat maker, which uh, is called a milliner. And uh, I started making hats four years ago. I mean, mm. I feel like I'm so much more than hats, but that is like job title. I am like, hat maker extraordinaire. And I uh, started making hats about four years ago when um, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And when she started losing her hair, she said how um, it was r- incredibly awkward for people to interact with her. Like, mm. They didn't know how to approach her. And it made me mm. realize like having hair is such a big deal. And so um, I had actually just taken a millinery class amongst many other classes at FIT in the evening. It was like one of those things where I worked a day job from like nine to like seven <laughs> and then would like run to class at FIT. And I took everything from like letterpress, knitting, crocheting, sewing, I mean everything. And one day I was like, I'm going to take hat making. And I took hat making and life has an incredible way of if you're open to it, mm. to showing you things that you don't even know that you may or may not want and I have found that when I trust myself in that process, it always leads me through an interesting journey. I wouldn't say it's like the most magnificent journey sometimes because sometimes it's great. Sometimes it kind of is rocky. Mm. But this one was incredible because I took a hat making class. And then two weeks later, uh, and I was going through a rough time because my parents had just gotten divorced. And I, I don't know, 27, 28, it's like devastating, right? Everything yeah. that you thought existed does not exist anymore. The home that you thought was your home is no longer your home. They're yeah. selling it. Or I mean, they kept it, but like your parents are living in different places. So um, I was taking all these classes because I was feeling anxious and um, the hat making classes started taking and I would like, it was okay. It was great. Whatever. It was like, I didn't think like, oh my God, I'm going to be a hat maker. I want to make a million dollars like making hats. It was kind of like, okay, cool. I now have that skill under my belt. I'll move on. And again, like two weeks later, my mom calls me and she is like, I just got diagnosed. I have um, advanced stage of breast cancer and I'm going to start treatment like next week. It was wild. And so um, she actually decided to shave her head because her hair started falling out. And she was like, I just don't want to do it that way. And when she lost her hair, she made a comment about how her head was cold and how it's incredibly awkward to... um, interact with people because they don't know how to approach you or what to do with you Mm. and people just don't make eye contact and I thought what a strange world where people don't make eye contact because you look different Hmm. 
And so, you know, and we can talk a lot about that, but um, I started making her hats and nothing like I make today. They were kind of like scrappy things. Yeah. Like I used a pineapple one day to like <laughs> steam material and sew it together. And um, I was on the, the, the Today Show did a feature on me a couple months ago and they went to my mom's house in California and like some of the hats I think were there, but they were just like, ooh, bad. And um, started making hats for her. One hat, then you know, for a hat, I started making hat for her, uh, a woman who was in chemo and radiation with her and another hat for this woman. And before I knew it, my aunt wanted a hat. My cousin wanted a hat and like people just wanted hats. And Mm. then before I knew it, there were like friends who were like, I'll take a hat. And again, not pretty hats, but they were like coming from a really great place of love. And I'd always known that I wanted to be entrepreneurial. I just didn't have the right moment to do it. Mm. And my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. I took a leave of absence from my job. And you have to tell me how much you want me to go into it, but like go. I I was kind of like, okay, I'm gonna have faith that by having this intuitive feeling that I'm not like really present in this job, that the universe or whoever, whatever is out there will create the opportunities. And literally on my like quote unquote last day of before my leave of absence for at least three months. Mm. I get a phone call at my job and it's a person who I'd worked with kind of just via email Mm -hmm. and she was like, I have a new person I'm working for. He's extremely wealthy and just wants somebody who's quick and knows what they're doing. Can you come in? He'll pay you X. And I was like, what? Because at that point, I mean, I just didn't have the money to like go off on my own and do my own thing. Like I needed a job. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to like, you know, live at home with your parents while they're going, while your mom's going through this or with your mom while she's going through this. But I just, couldn't even do that. And so this job came up and I took it for like an entire month. It was incredibly intensive. This such a long story, but it was just amazing. And they, this family like just gave me the financial freedom to all of a sudden, like when I was ready to launch my company, it wasn't a ton of money, but it was a couple thousand dollars that I think it was like something like 15 to $20,000 for like a month of work. And I was, and I worked hard. I mean, I worked incredibly hard, but it was like, I took a leap of faith. I took that step and I knew I wanted to be independent and do my own thing. And so anyways, I used that money um, about nine months later when I recognized that I all of a sudden had like a sweatshop happening in my apartment. Like I had (laughs) hired people off of Craigslist and like two girls were sewing in my apartment. And um, I remember my man coming home one night and he was like, what is happening? You just turned, he was out for like a week and he came home and it was like, I turned our entire living room into like tables and like two chairs. And it was like me and these two girls I met off Craigslist and we were just sewing and a fourth for a walk up and we had two dogs. It was just like kind of hilarious. And yet it's like the perfect way that I, that I work, right? Mm. Like that's just my process. Yeah. And so, um, a friend introduced me at that point to a hat factory and I'd been working with them. They were in the middle of Manhattan, an incredible 5,000 square space that, uh, square foot space that I would walk into and just feel like, Oh my God, nobody knows about this place. And it's the middle of New York. Yeah. And it's in a, and it's in an office building, right? It's an, a full floor of an office building that like nobody even knows exists, which is really kind of like, I kind of feel like I have this really big secret that nobody knows about. And so when they come <laughs> over, I'm like, see, I told you it was a cool secret. And, um, I started working with them for about three years and they really helped me create a business and the hat market's a really difficult market anyways. Um, it's, I mean, right now we're having a hat moment, so everybody wants hats, but it's a great challenge. Mm. And I have to think about how somebody, like, it's not like selling a handbag where you've tried on a million times. Some of the clients that I have have never worn hats. And so I have to think about the psychology behind why does a Mm. woman buy a hat? 
Why does a man want to buy a hat? Like, yeah. what is the psychological reasoning? What What's the incredible vibrational energy that I can create? You know, we, my cousin who works with me, Malka, we literally will have dance party every single morning, <laughs> sending great vibrations. And we say a prayer. We're like, may these hats find their perfect owner. Yeah. And it's like, I really see it as like an exchange of energy. The, the right people come for the right hats and they mm. always find the right people. And then I always feel really great about what we're creating. So anyways, this, this hat company that I'd started working with, this factory, uh, I worked with them, with them for three years. And then, uh, Last year, actually tomorrow, I got a phone call from one of the employees saying that the factory had shut down. They were fired, like like things were going to get sold. And it was just like this really sad moment. And I had a moment of meltdown where I was like, see, the universe doesn't want me making hats. I'm going to focus on my other business because it's easier. And uh, my man turned to me and he goes, um, well, maybe this is your opportunity to step in your tr- into your greatness. Like maybe this is your mm. opportunity to take on something that's really fucking scary mm. and to show up. And I was, and I got defensive. I was like, what do you mean show up? I show up every fucking day. And they're like, he was like, no, like really show up. Hmm. Oh, I got chills just thinking about it. And I, and I took his word cause I didn't even think I could do it. Like yeah. right now I'm just, you know, you've met me now. Like you probably think like, oh, she's always had the confidence to do this. But last year, this time I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like that voice in my head was like, you may fail yeah. and you may fail publicly. And, um, Every step and every day of between like yesterday and taking over the factory last year, November, has been an extraordinary experience because I show up really not knowing what the fuck is going to happen. And especially when I had zero dollars in my bank account. I mean, when I took over the factory, I had to basically ask, beg, borrow, and steal. You know, I had to be like, Mm. here's my vision. I need money like tomorrow. (laughs) And it was interesting because the moment I said yes, the moment I was like, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm so fucking doing this. Like I'm going to be the hat queen of the world doing this. I had no doubt it was like mm. everything just disappeared and it was like I had purpose and it was a really big wow. moment. It was like, wow. it was like the praise Jesus moment where everybody wishes they have that, that clarity. But so what ended up happening was a friend was like, Oh, I'll write you the check for the assets of the business. And it wasn't like a million dollars, but it was a good amount of change that I was like, <laughs> you're just going to write me a check for like the whole amount. And I get to do this now. And Literally the day before we're supposed to close on the factory, him and his business partner decide, well, they actually didn't even tell me. They just disappeared. They were like, uh, silent. And, um, but I had faith and my mom actually flew in from California and she'd seen the factory and she was like, sweetie, this is a really big project. And I knew that Mm. she was coming from a great place. Like, you know, darling, be sure to, you know, measure twice, cut once. Do you really want to do this? I mean, it was so much work. And I looked at her and she was like, you know, maybe it's a sign because a guy dropped out. And I told her, I was like, I've been talking to so many people. Somebody's going to show up. And sure enough, the next day, it was like I got all these in. I didn't have to push. That was one thing that I want to make very clear. Like I didn't have to push and call everybody. It was like, I just felt it from head to toe that Mm. like somebody, some people, whatever, were going to show up for me. Wow. And... I kind of like let that be the intention. The intention I set was like, if I'm supposed to do this, like I'm limited in what I have. Like I need people to show up for me. And ever since I set that intention, people show up every day. Hmm. And 
I have to say, like, I'm audacious enough to ask people, you know, I asked you not knowing you to like come over to the factory to photograph for all I know you could, you know, and, and, and then in just weird ways, like we connect yeah. and then we connected, you know, we connected like two weeks ago and all of a sudden, like, like I can't imagine now my life without you because you're just like <laughs> Nick who comes to my factory and like, it's awesome. And, and so people showed up and so, and then I launched a Kickstarter again with only like a thousand dollars in the business account after I'd bought all the assets and I'm sitting in the factory, a 5,000 square foot factory that I just signed a four year, four and a half year lease on. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh my God, I only have a thousand dollars. What am I do? And I turned oh my to my God. cousin Malka and I said, and I didn't even have like enough for payroll. And I turned to my cousin Malka and I said, we're going to do a Kickstarter. We're going to do this. We're going to launch it. It's going to be awesome. And I am scrappy as all can be. Like I put together a video, like I did all the things we needed to do <laughs> and I created the script and I knew that I had unlimited amount of time, you know, because like all of a sudden without having the, pr- I had financial pressure, but I didn't have like, it didn't bother me. I don't know. I, like now it bothers me. But like <laughs> at that time it was just like, I just felt like I was floating mm. and, um, and that was pretty cool. But I launched a Kickstarter and so many people were like, well, just put it at $25,000 that you need. And I said, I don't need $25,000. I need at least Seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars, and um, my mom. I mean, anybody in my life was like, "Don't do that." You know how hard it is to do a Kickstarter. I think we hit twenty-five. So I hit, I hit. Um, I forget the button, but it's like a big green button. It's like go, and you're like, <laughs> "Okay, launch." I think it's launch. And so I put seventy-five thousand dollars because I said, "You know what? If I can't show up for myself and ask for what I fucking need at this point in my life for a business that I know is just going to kick ass and has a great story." Um, then when am I ever going to just do it? Yeah. So I did it. I hit some, I wrote 75, I hit it and it was, I mean, holy shit. We hit $25,000 in like 24 or 48 hours. It was crazy. And our final total was like $171,000 selling hats, selling hats. I mean, I think I've broken a hat record in 30 days, 30 days, (laughs) 171 or two, something like that. Thousand dollars in 30 days. I mean, I I actually want to like Google this. It might be a hat record. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might be breaking hat records. Um, but yeah, it's it's been such an incredible like business journey as much as it has been a test and to my character and to my connections and my network. I mean, I have to say I have to give so much credit to the people that are in my community and my entrepreneurial friends and Facebook, like, you know, like things like that, that people spread the mm. message. And when you have a good message to spread and you yeah. like, again, show up. And I was so vulnerable. Oh, mm. let me tell you. Like I showed up and I was like, I might fail. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I've never done this before. But all I know is that I'm hearing my calling right now. And will you join me? And people were like, hells yeah. And get enough people to say hells yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got like thousands of people <laughs> like somebody like Whoopi Goldberg's posting about it. And like random people are like, hey, check out this hat factor. This woman's trying to save, like help her out. And it was just, it was like people fucking showed up. And people continue to show up, which is like amazing. That's an incredible story. (laughs) Very long story. (laughs) I love it. No, that was perfect. And there's so many things that you said that I kind of want to dive back into. And I mean, I think the first thing that stood out to me from from what we were talking about earlier, what you were saying earlier is trusting yourself. Mm. I mean, as an entrepreneur, that's the hardest thing to do because trusting yourself you have so many voices in your head telling you no and all this stuff. Where did you get that? A first, where'd you get that value from growing mm-hmm. up? What, what we'll start there. What changed where, how'd that come about? So both of my parents are incredible beings and 
I feel so grateful and lucky that I chose them. At the time when I was like five, it was like incredibly awkward. I was like the like skinny, kooky, like actually tall, which is surprising. You know, I, I kind of stunted at like 11. Like my growth's just like I was, it was so tall. People thought I was gonna be like six feet tall. And then all of a sudden it just like stopped growing. And I was carrying green juice with me and doing yoga. I started meditating when I was two with a Maharishi. Like my parents were just like <laughs> way ahead of the time. And I remember them, they like my dad instilled like these, he had like these seven tenants, tenants, excuse me, of, um, of like core values. And mm. one was, and, and I, this is like the only one I can probably remember at this point when it was like, do what you love to do and money will follow. Mm. And my dad always said, you can't make, you can't make money working for other people. You got to do what you love to do. And he literally would test me on it all the time. I, I should probably start thinking back about what all those seven <laughs> were, but that one's always stuck with me because it's true. If you do what you love to do, a, it doesn't feel like work. But the money shows up if you have the balls to really just not put your toe in. Like, you know, like for, for, I've been an entrepreneur for four years, almost five years. And it's like, I put a toe in for the first like three and a half. Mm -hmm. And when the factory showed up, I was like, I had to like throw my whole body in. Mm. And it was a really clear distinction of like, and, and, and again, my parents also, um, no parent is perfect and they always have, you know, my parents thought it was crazy. My dad was so, he wasn't against me doing it, but he was definitely cautious, mm. you know, especially taking friends and family money. He was like, look, like, you know, are you sure? And then once I did it, it's like, it was like their idea. They're like, I can't believe Like, yeah, I'm so excited you did this. This is the most idea ever. Um, but they really, the voices in my head, it's like they helped me. My parents helped me recognize at an early age the fear voices, the um, non-true voice. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like the voice of not non-truth saying things. And so, you know, and my dad, since I was a kid, would tell me like, fear doesn't really exist. And I'd be like, what? I'm like, wow. it does because I feel fear. Yeah. And so I remember at like age, um, I think I was 11 or 12 and we're in Mexico and he, he I don't know why, it was kind of crazy. There was a bungee jumping situation in Mexico. Um, and I had fear and I, I was fearless a little bit, but I had fear. And my brother who was two years younger, so about 10 was like, I want to go do it. And my dad turned to me and he said, I'm going to pay you to do this. And at that time, when you're a kid, you're like, how much are you going to pay me? Right? Like, okay. And so I did it. And like, my dad has always pushed me to do things that felt like fear so that I would break that fear and understand that voice wasn't mm. real. And so like I could probably list so many things that my dad did like that that were like, oh my gosh, right. And also I, I'm I'm an athlete. Like I was mm. I played soccer for college and high school. I was on the Olympic development team. Um in high school I played for the best soccer team. I was a leading goal scorer. I mean, I was like super athletic. And that alone um really kind of um helps you understand God, what, there's a word that my, my soccer coach used to always tell us. And it was something about, you know, you're always going to hit adversity hmm. and how you get yourself back up and how you approach that adversity defines who you are, defines your character. Hmm. And so, I mean, I guess I've been so fortunate. I've had such incredible positive forces in my entire life and they keep coming in and just reinforcing all these things. And anytime I have doubt, I just like, like have to just sit and realize that I just need to figure out or don't even have to figure out, but like ask for what I need and people show up. So 
long story short is basically my parents were just rock stars and um, they really instilled such great core values, but also gave me total independence to be who I was and to shine Mm. with what my truth. And what's fascinating is that my name is Sanskrit. Satya is Sanskrit and it means essence of truth. Whoa. So I'm here to, I'm, I'm clearly here and my dad's Jack, my mom's Pam, my, my brother's Jonathan, my sister's Claire. So I am like here to speak (laughs) the fucking truth. (laughs) That's amazing. And I mean, that definitely leads into your intuition. I mean, you Mm. seem, I mean, from what I've experienced of you, you seem like you follow your intuition to a deeper level and I've a lot of other people that I've met and what what within you like keeps you true to that track yeah well it's been an interesting journey with that because it's sometimes my intuition is so my intuition is never wrong sometimes it's more like I hear whatever whatever we call intuition I hear it very loud like when I took on the factory when I met my man um, when I found my school like I just knew right like there was that knowing feeling like I've done this before I just know this is right and then you also hear other voices and I guess you I for me I just asked the question of like is this my truth mm. you know is this is this the higher purpose? Is am I acting like this because it's out of fear? You know, like recently I've had a little lot of little ruptures and and conflicts with people, which is fascinating because I think of myself as so not conflict like I'm so like easygoing and like let's just all have fun <laughs> and there's nothing to be mad about and all of a sudden I'm like grumpy. And and then I'm like, okay, what am I here to learn? Like what is it? You know, am I not being clear my 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 directions am Mm. i not being clear on what i need am i not being clear on and it usually has to do especially right now it has to do with like my own self-care and i run around like a crazy person because i'm an entrepreneur and Mm. we live in new york city and there's so many fun things to do all the time and you know right now i'm like wow okay like I don't feel like my tank is full. Like I feel like that, that iPhone battery, like where, where it's like you've got 20% remaining and I'm like, Oh my God, if I don't go home and go to sleep, I'm never going to recharge. But that's been a really big part of like my intuition so much stronger while I'm, when I am well rested, when I've, I mean, these days I don't exercise, but like when I, when I have like a a routine of like good eating and Mm. being surrounded by good people and, and so that is like where a lot of my voice and that trust comes in and just knowing what, what's truth versus what's not the real truth. Yeah. Yeah. And truth, I mean, and if fear sounds like truth, right? Like fear sounds like it might be true. And then you have to just like sit with it and be like, holy shit, is that really true? Like, is that really true? Like I gotta, I gotta like call myself out sometimes being like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> so how do you decipher between the two? Great question. Um, well, it's funny because um, I'm, I, I feel like it, for me, I feel like I'm in such an, another transition moment mm. and a lot of like spiritual self development change is happening. And um, a friend of mine, a couple of weeks ago, new friend, we're sitting having a drink and he says to me, Oh, it was so good. I, I wish I wrote it down. I think I wrote it down on a napkin. He said something like, the fear of loss or going through it basically that just is like the next stage of whatever you're going through, you're going to lose what you feel you need 
but you're going to realize that you didn't need those things. So what I, mm. you, so have faith that whatever you lose, you don't actually need. And he said it so poetically that I was like, wow. hold up, need to write this down. And I remember, th- I think I picked up my iPhone to write it in. He was like, no, write it on a napkin. Of course, now I can't find the napkin probably, but it was basically like the fear of loss will feel very real. But when you move through that feeling of fear, mm. you'll realize and recognize that you didn't need whatever you lost. Mm. It was, it's really cool. And so I think about that often. I'm like, okay, is this, is this real? Is this like truth? And I don't, I try not to react. That's like a big thing for me. It's like, I try to just like sit with it hmm. and give myself space. Yeah. Reaction is such a hard thing i mean i that's how i've grown up you know mm-hmm. it's just like reacting to everything and even i've i've learned to like take a step back it's still a work in progress so but you know it's funny I, I listened to this thing i think it was another podcast somebody was talking about the limbic brain and it when you find some something sends you somebody sends you an email or text or something negative it takes 20 minutes to release the the chemical to like for that mm. chemical to like disperse so you can calm down yeah and then you make these you can make a more sound decision so it sounds like that's kind of similar it's like you you don't want to react you want to give it time yeah i i got an email this morning while i was doing an event and my first reaction was like i just wanted to throw something against the wall and like scream and be like you're such a jerk you're taking advantage of me and then i realized i was like right okay take a deep breath and your body, I mean, that's another thing, right? Your body does go through real changes. I mean, mm. they're freaking physical. Like, they happen, yeah. right? You release whatever bodies are releasing, <laughs> and you you can't do anything about it. And yet, like, you do have control. Just because somebody else is throwing their shit at you doesn't mean you have to, like, take it in, soak it in, leak yeah. your energy. That's, like, a big thing for me. It's, like, leaking energy, right? Like, you don't feel good when you're leaking energy. Mm. But when you're providing or shining your energy you feel real good you feel like you're on top of the world and so like leaking is like a car that's leaking gas everywhere it's like energy here energy there and then you feel completely depleted and like the person's email bigger leak turning in the faucet more and then somebody else like turning off the faucet you know and it's like on off on off and everybody around you feels it Mm. you know and so and you know those people i mean we've all seen those people who are like chaos i want to stay away you know it's kind of what I love about the so like the entrepreneurs that I've been hanging out recently. There is like a real focus on spirituality and self-development and awareness. Emo- and we, we talked about this, like this emotional awareness and intelligence, mm-hmm. right? And that's huge. Yeah. Who wants to be an entrepreneur who doesn't have all that stuff together and is just leaking energy and like reacting to things, right? Yeah. And I feel like, especially in the last two years, my my community of cool, fun entrepreneurs are also emotionally incredible, yeah, and supportive, and show up, and you know, and also vulnerable and transparent. Yeah. You know, that's and I think that's actually the vulnerability and transparency is huge. And I think that you know, you may look like you're super successful, and you may have the house and the wife and the car or whatever it is that people think is like there, right? Whatever there means. And that person, and I've, I'd done, I had done it for so many years, and that you realize that when you get naked with where you are, and I'm talking about like emotionally, physically, whatever helps you get into that place, mm. that you don't live your truth, right? When you, when you have this facade of who you are, right? You get in costume, right? Every day yeah. we dress into who we are or who we want to be. And 
there's a lack of honesty there and you feel yeah. it. I mean, you can't not feel it or at least the people that I'm around like feel yeah. when something's not feeling truthful mm-hmm. or honest. And, um, and so transparency, I feel like it's the first step to finding your truth and to mm. feeling your truth is when you can show up and say, holy shit, I'm not where I want to be. I want to be here and, but it's okay. But like, I'm just gonna let you know right now that like, I'm piss broke. I don't even know where my desires are. Like I don't, 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 don't. Then you can actually build and then you can actually put things together that are working, but Mm -hmm. you have to actually release that shit before you can get to the, the level of just even getting on that new journey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and it's definitely like one of those things, like the emotional intelligence work. I mean, I, I feel like I'm even, especially all the emotional intelligence work I did the, over the last year and a half, it's like taken me to a space of authenticity and operating from mm-hmm. authenticity. And I feel like that turns into a whole different level of manifestation and things that are happening and what you're attracting into or what I'm attracting to my life. And it seems like you're operating from, from what I've seen and what's happening in your world. It seems like that's, where you're operating from. And I mean, you were telling me a little bit earlier about how you've been doing um, some emotional intelligence work yourself. Mm -hmm. And how did that come about? Like what spurred you into Uh, jumping in there? Well, it's, it's funny. I was at a party and this is uh, two years ago, three years ago, um, maybe two years ago, I was just about to move to Paris by myself my st- like things were really not good, but everything looked good from the outside. I had this nice, pretty small studio space, and everybody just thought my business was like about mm-hmm. to take off. Like it just felt like everything. Like I was getting features in magazines. Like I, everybody thought it was good, and I just didn't feel good. Hmm. And I actually got really sick, which is another interesting point of what happens when you don't live in truth. Hmm. Um, and I was going to Paris, and I'm the day before the night before I'm leaving, I I know this like 85 year old, like Yoda, like woman, she's got like ears like Yoda. She's got big white hair. She lives in Paris. Her name's Martine Menard and she's a ceramicist. And literally in her apartment in the middle of the Marais, she has a kiln. That's like crazy temperatures going all night, all day. doesn't turn off the kiln because it's not supposed to turn off. And she works like live workspace, like basement is this kiln. And she happened to be in town and she had a show. I was like, all right, I'm going to go see my lady friend. And so I go over there and she's just so cool. She serves me every time I see her in Paris, she serves me the champagne and like those finger lady fingers. And she's like, Oh, just dip them inside. It's so good. <laughs> and so I just go there and like the shit she comes up with. And then she always sells me in a lot of ceramics. Like she is a good saleswoman. Like yeah. I keep thinking maybe I should bring her to New York and have her sell my hats. <laughs> um, I mean, who doesn't want to buy stuff from an 85 year old woman. But when I was there, um, there was this really like, you know, you always have those people who are like, Oh my God, they've got their shit together. Like I so wish I could be them. And at that time I feel a lot less of that now. Cause I feel like everybody just has their shit. But this woman at the time I looked at her and she was an editor of, uh, or it used to be editor of Vogue. And you know, that's like the Holy grail of like fashion. Yeah. And, um, she was talking and I was like, well, if I don't have the guts to say hi to her, like she'll never know who I am and I'll regret it. And I've always lived my life of like no regrets. Mm. And, um, again, another, Thank you, parents. Like, thank you, mom, dad. Um, so I just walked up to her and she completely blew me off. And I can be kind of so, socially awkward. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I totally just got rejected. And this woman comes right next to me. And she's like, hi, I'm Regina. And I was like, hi, Regina. And we start talking. And I, like, loosen up a little bit. And she asked me what I'm doing, what I, you know, what's happening in my life right now. I told her about hats and my story and my new hosiery company. And I'm going to Paris tomorrow. 
And she's like, oh my God, I'm going to Paris in six months from now. I'm taking a group or three months from now. I'm taking a group of incredible women. Hmm. Can you give me? And I told her, I, you know, I eat at the best places. Like I am such a researcher when I go to Paris. And she's like, I would love your list. Here's my contact information. I looked at her card and it's like, Mama Gina School of Womanly Arts. And I was like, that is, that sounds crazy. What is it? What are, what, what are womanly arts? I have no idea. And she told me a little bit about that. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. I'm, it's not for me, but it's totally fascinating. And I came, or when I was in Paris, I sent her the list. Like, um, I think at the end of it, I was like, this is my, these are my favorite places. Like, this is the best place to get a baguette. This is the place to go to the park and eat it. You know, Mm. like I just kept a little log of every place that I went and did. And, um, and she was so grateful that when she got back from Paris from her trip and she visited some of the places that I told her, she said, can I take you out to lunch? And at that time, I had gotten really sick. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. And my body physically, like you could tell that I was sick. My body, like I had splotches all over. Like I looked like I was dying. Boy. Except I didn't have like, like it was just like, I, I don't even, it, like they thought it was psoriasis, but just think like splotches all over my, from my arms, my chest, my back to my, to my hips basically on both sides. And it was it was incredibly painful, but I was on antibiotics like every month for three months. They were trying this, they were trying that, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And it's such an interesting thing because I've actually never thought of the two coming together, like living in my truth and my healing of myself. Hmm. But it's a really fascinating thing. So I was almost sick for about nine months. And I say sick, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, they were taking my blood. I was like, it was kind of fine, but like I had physical ailments. Hmm. And, um, Oh God, it was so terrible. It was really embarrassing too. Like during the summer to like go out in a bathing suit, people are like, what's wrong with her? And, um, I don't know how it just came. It just kind of disappeared. It it changed my diet. I changed a lot of things that I was doing, but it disappeared at the same time that I started really hearing my voice. Mm. And I think what happened, um, at that point was that I wasn't being honest. I wasn't being transparent. And when I had this lunch with Regina, we were sitting and talking and she was like, girl, you need movement. She's like, go take a class. And she told me which class to take. She's like, go get some movement, go do it. And like one thing l- led to another. And then, you know, a couple months later, she uh, asked me to come to graduation of her womenly arts class. And I remember being there and being like, oh my God, there's pink boas and there's feathers and people are touching me. I'm like, what is this? And women are like walking around and they're happy. And I'm like, this is a cult. I got to run. Like, oh my God, what am I doing here? And I'm just seeing this, the thing. It's so cool. Um, I fell in love immediately. It was like, I was so rejecting of it. And now I know when I like reject something full on like, full stop, you know, can't move any forward, can't move forward. I realize that there's actually probably a desire there, but mm. I have to reject it before I can recognize that it's something that I really want. Mm. And so I left there and I signed up for her program and her program's like, I don't know, five, $6,000. I just gave her a credit card. I didn't have that money just to give to her. And I actually then dropped out like two days later being like, that was crazy. There was a lot of good energy there and I was just attracted to the good energy and I would desire more of that, but that was crazy town. So I, I told them I couldn't do it. I couldn't afford it. I was already in debt. Like just couldn't do it. And then fast forward another, like, I don't know, four months later, I'm in my factory, which I now own, like, you know, gone through this like crazy process of healing and love and just being really, just like 
in the flow of life. Mm-hmm. And um, a woman emails me and she's from Singapore and she's like, I want to come make a hat. So we go back and forth like every month. She's like, oh, I'm in, Singapore. I'm in New York. I'm like, from Singapore again? She was like, every month she was coming in. So finally she gets me um, after like haggling me like to come by. She's like, I've read about you. I want to see this stuff. Like I'm really inspired by you. So she comes in and we are playing and we're having fun and I'd had a rough day and she was like, girl, sit down. Let's have a, let's have some movement time. And <laughs> yeah, these women, they're incredible, crazy and amazing. And I was like, what bring? And finally I like started feeling good. I was finally asked her what brought you from Singapore to New York. And she's like the school of women of the arts. And it was kind of like when you have that like, holy fucking shit, like, right, I'm supposed to do this and I got to do it now. And she goes, yeah, the next class starts like three days from now. And it's intensive. It's like four months every month for a whole weekend. Mm. And I mean, you know, like kind of like normal intense classes, but like I was like, okay. And at that moment, I just, again, had that intuitive feeling like I need to do this. And she kind of like, you can't explain it, Mm. but there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of, and it's hard to go into it without giving up like so much of the stuff that we do, but how to lead like a woman, how to, you know, actually one of the biggest things that I realized is that how do you play with life? How do you show up and have fun? How does like, how do you react when the server comes and you told him exactly what you needed and wanted for your food and he shows up with something completely different? Like, are you the person who says you got my order wrong? Please send it back. Or do you play with him? Right. And so she's teaching women how to play. Like instead of being like, like, oh, you always get my order wrong. What's wrong with you? God, everybody always does this to me. She would say like, oh, darling. I mean, I have to like, she's so good at this. Like I'm still practicing, but she'd be like, oh, sweetie, it looks like I've received the wrong order. Do you think, you, you know, while you, I don't know, get the right food that I can keep this in the meantime so I don't, you know, get overly hungry. And there's just like, and I, I'm probably just butchered that, but like she plays with people, like <laughs> plays with them in a way that that person doesn't feel like a jerk and make, yeah. she didn't make that person wrong. Mm. She actually was playing with them. And so the whole thing that she's teaching these women, it's an incredible movement that I really highly suggest every woman kind of look into is how do you show up for life and flirt and have fun? Mm. Right. We come in, we're like, Oh, I got to work, 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 play. Or I got to go to the gym. I got to do this. I have to, have to, have to. And you just make a whole list of all the things you're supposed to be doing, right? The shoulds of life. Yeah. Especially as a female. Like, I'm supposed to get married. I'm supposed to have kids. I'm supposed to, like, be an entrepreneur. And I don't have enough time for me. And she's like, oh, darling. Like, she just goes into this, like, how do you have fun? I mean, we go through, like, the hard fucking work of, like, self-development and, like, parents and, like, everything that happened to us. And we have to go through the ruptures and learning how to have tools, how to deal with that stuff. Mm-hmm. But she's like, do you want to be that person who's like bitchy, cranky? That And you see, like as now a person, as a student in the School of Women the Arts, like I see these women down the street and I'm like, they're pushing through life. Mm. And I want to dance through life. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good, that's good. So that's what she's teaching us. She's teaching us to dance through life. Dance, dance on the streets. You watch everybody in the subway and they're like, Meh. you know, like, like long faces and just there and like there's nothing happening and I want to be that person who's like smiling and like radiating energy and like might just like swing around the pole of the the subway and like everybody's kind of like giggles inside and then you're like yeah I spread sunshine and light and happiness as opposed to like I gotta go to work it's Monday morning you know so (laughs) well you definitely do that (laughs) and I love it but I think that's also a big part of what's what you how you've attracted the right things in your life is the energy that you're putting out there how do you think that this 
this work that you've done has helped you with your business, especially as a woman? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, so many, right? Like so many CEOs and entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs and CEOs are men, Mm. right? And being a woman, I don't have really very many role models on how to be a CEO that is in her feminine, Mm. right? Because you know how everybody says like, you can't, you know, give a panther spots or whatever. And it's like, I can't, it doesn't feel right when I try to push and to be like super, I don't know, male oriented and a male CEO. But when I'm like in my feminine and it's happening more and more now, like my employees love working for me because I'm not doing all the things that don't make me feel good or feel right because I'm, one of the things Regina always tells us is like, you're researchers. We're in life to be researchers. Test everything. Play with everything. Do you like this? Do you like that? So as a CEO, I'm testing things all the time. Like, mm-hmm. So what being in the feminine and masculine means, I don't quite actually know, but I know that what doesn't feel good. And so being open and aware of the things that I'm testing, right? Like being a scientist, does this feel right? When I tell my employee or when I tell my cousin who works for me, you know, to do something this way, versus this way, which does she react to better, hmm. right? And so it's, I'm constantly like researching what makes people feel better and what makes me feel good doing, right? In order to receive pleasure, you have to, in order to give and receive pleasure, you, I'm sorry, in order to give pleasure, you have to know how to receive pleasure. Yeah. And so to give instruction, you know how to have to, you have to know how to take instruction. Hmm. So I asked myself like, if I need so-and-so to do this for me, for themselves or for our job or whatever we have to get done, how can I do it in a way that makes them feel good and me feel good? And we talked about this. It's influence. It's not control. Mm. I don't want control. I want influence. I want my team to show up and I want to influence them. I don't want them to feel like they're being controlled by a controlly bossy lady. And the influence is like this magical thing that you feel good. I feel good. Everyone feels good and nobody feels taken advantage of. And that's huge. Mm. So how do you do that with your, with your team? Like how do you dis the distinction between influence and control? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be in my truth if I said that I have this down completely. Um, you know, last week I thought I had a coup on hand, you know, where like everybody was revolting and I was like, what's happening? And then I recognized that people's tanks weren't full. And so for me, I, I just kind of sat with it and was like, okay, the reason she's reacting like this or the reason that like she's this one employee at the time was like creating like a mini coup. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And I realized that she just didn't feel, she didn't felt, she didn't feel seen. Yeah. And so I was like, well, what's going to make her feel seen? I was like, well, she always talks about the heyday of like when she used to go out of the factory to go shopping for very specific feathers or beads. So I said, okay, I'm going to take two hours tomorrow and I'm going to take her. And all of a sudden, like this woman is like now wearing like my pinstripes, right? She shows up and she was like, this is the best place to work. And I'm like, okay, right. And, you know, in four months from now, it might be a different thing. But just even the awareness and the recognition and not being, I mean, I I call it like being self-absorbed and not being self-absorbed at the same time, like just being present and everybody uses that word, but really just kind of like, I'm trying not to think like, what am I going to eat tonight? You know, like even doing this podcast, I'm like, okay, how do you stay present? How do you think about the questions? And what do you, how do you say the truth? What comes through you or what comes up for me or what my thoughts are and not think about like dinner? How am I getting home? Like, Mm. 
hmm, it's going to rain. I didn't bring an umbrella or a hat today. You know, like all those things. And I think that when you really learn to be a little bit more present, especially in company, yeah. they give off so much of what they need and what they desire and what you need. Yeah. And then you're able to have influence and love. And that's really important. And that's, I think the biggest lesson I've learned as being a CEO and entrepreneur is like, I am no one without my team. Yeah. You cannot build, you can't build a palace and not have a strong foundation. You cannot build anything without a good group of people. And so I'm only as good as my employees. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not present and understanding what they need from me as the leader of this, you know, and protector of this, this, you know, (laughs) factory, hat factory, then, you know, (laughs) then (laughs) I have the weirdest analogies. Um, then they can't do their job. And if they can't do their job well, then I have nothing. Yeah. I mean, especially with hats, like we do high quality, phenomenal hats, but if all of a sudden they're like threads everywhere and it's shit product, nobody's going to want to come back and you cannot perform no matter what profession you're in. If you're not feeling good about who the leader is. And so for me, I like really think it's important for us as leaders of our businesses, of our community, of our apartment buildings, you know, to show up and really understand what other people need. But you can't figure out what other people need if you don't know what you need. And that's really important. Mm. You need to know and you have to take care of yourself first in order to take, right? Like you can't like any Gandhi, right? He couldn't take care. He can't take care or couldn't take care of the world if he wasn't taking care of himself. He was solid. So therefore he was able to shine, right? And if you think of anybody who's really been an influential leader and, and you know, I think a lot of people probably would argue with me that being an entrepreneur and CEO, like there's so many CEOs and entrepreneurs who like don't lead like that. Yeah. But what kind of leader do you want to be? Right? Yeah. Like, like, and, and what is most fun? Like, you know, they may seem like they're the CEOs that everybody loves and like, but do they go home and are they happy? Right. And I go home incredibly happy knowing that my team's happy. Yeah. And, and their, their energy is like everywhere. They're all over the factory, you know, and I'm all over the factory. And, and, you know, I think that it, that's incredibly important is understanding yourself and what your needs are and even understanding what your motivations are, right? Like why, why do I do what I do? Hmm. And I think that's a really like asking the why questions you can go. I mean, it's like therapy, right? It's like, why do you do this? Why do you like that? And I feel like I ask myself all that time. I'm like, why do I like those jeans better than the other ones? Or like, why do I like this food better than the other? Why do I like this employee better than the other one? And then once you figure out the whys, right? Like, why do I like one employee over another employee? I ask myself that all the time about these two employees. I'm like, why do I like her so much more than this other one? Mm. And then you realize that there's things that they do, but that doesn't mean you just completely disregard employee number two, right? Right. You now have the awareness and the understanding. Now you have total influence on how you come to the factory, how you show up and how you interact with this employee number two, right? And so that's ultimate influence because if all of a sudden you want them to do something in a certain way that they're not able to do, it's just a matter of communicating at that point. Mm, And that is like fucking powerful shit because all of a sudden you have got like awesome people who are working and they are just like loving what they're doing. And then it just jives and that's good. Yeah. Well, and you know how to communicate to that specific personality, Mm -hmm. which is huge. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, we're all like big kids right now. Right. And like, even though we may not look like that three-year-old who's kicking and screaming, sometimes we are inside Mm -hmm. and just knowing like, do you need a hug? Do you need food? Do you need like a blanket? And just like being able to really understand and see that now. Yeah. It changes. Right. And knowing how to ask for it too. You know, sometimes I'm like, I'll walk in my office and look at my cousin. I'm like, I have a hug. 
And she'll give me a hug and it's like, oh, wow, that just shifted everything. Okay, I feel great. Thanks. Bye. You know, and it's like just knowing what you need and what other people need and filling those needs. And it's so small and it takes no time at all. It takes no time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so true. And I mean, going back a little bit, I love what you said about being present mm-hmm. because that's the biggest thing I've learned over the big, last year and a half too as well. I mean, enough where I was like, hmm, should I tattoo this on my arm so yeah. it, like, re- I can rem- it remembers that, that I can remember to stay present in every situation. And yeah. I feel like life is more fulfilled when you're present. I mean, so much of the time before my mind, just like you said, like over here, over there, where how am I getting home? What am I going to eat for dinner? Like all this stuff. And it takes a lot of, I don't want to say control, but it takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of practice. Practice. Yeah. It takes practice. And I, it's, it's, we try to control it sometimes, right? Like we try to control like, oh, I got to stay present. But really it's like, it's like that rubber band. The more you stretch it, it gets eventually stretched to that yeah. location. But it takes practice. Like it takes time. It takes energy. And it's like meditation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you meditate, but like game changing. Yeah. So game changing. And um, actually, I, I have to pull this up because a friend of mine said something two days ago, uh, excuse me, last week, and I was so blown away. And he's a, a spoken word poet. And I just feel like, I mean, I just feel like it needs to be said right now because it's just so good. So he goes, <laughs> you will always find the evidence for what you choose to believe. Mm. You will always always find the evidence for what you choose to believe starve your pain find your ego starve your ego find your beast oh, so good. starve your beast find your truth find your truth find your peace and he says it again you'll always find the evidence for what you choose to believe you wow. will always find the evidence for what you choose to believe starve your pain find your ego Starve your ego, find your beast. Starve your beast, find your truth, find your truth, find your peace. And I mean, this man is just like, he blows him away every single time. When I heard that, it was just like, my whole body just felt something. And I was like, it's true, right? You always find the evidence for Mm -hmm. what you choose to believe. Yeah. And so what do you choose to believe today? You'll find the evidence for. And it's again, the same kind of thing. It's like practicing. Yeah. What do you want to believe in today? Do you want to believe in magic? Like I actually am starting, I feel like my whole childhood, I was such a, a, my brother said when I turned 30, he was like, haven't you been 30 for the last 30 years? Because I was so controlled and such an adult from a young age that I feel like when I hit 30, I was like, I'm ready to play. Like (laughs) this is my time to be a kid. You know, like and the first time I met you, I like showed up in Minnie Mouse ears and everybody in the subway was like, what the heck? Like, (laughs) does she have mental illness like the woman like i would have shown up with balloons and like a cute little like black skirt and like a whole mini mouse like head to toe but it's like again the play right like let's be children let's have fun let's instead of choosing to believe that we have to be adults working hard yeah and being ceos and entrepreneurs who have to work hard and have to be controlled like wouldn't it be so much more fun to have fun and play with it and any opportunity we have we'll find the evidence to back that up so i'll find evidence for reasons why i have to play i'll Oh my God, the New York Times just came out with like a piece about how happiness is highly influenced, how, how much fun you have and during your day. And I'm like, see, I knew I had to play today. You know, it's like, it's all, you always find the, the evidence. Yeah, totally. I mean, and it kind of goes into your whole, uh, the whole idea. I mean, you're really big on intention setting. Mm. And I feel like there's 
there is a correlation there's a connection with that because what you're intending to do what the intention that you're setting is what you are initially believing and what you're putting out there to believe yeah so why where did the intention setting become so prominent in your life my parents Oh. So my parents literally raised me on the, it, it was interesting. And I wrote a really good blog piece about this that I'll send to you if you want to include here. Yeah. Cause it is, um, about it's the, um, the practice of inviting in bu- abundance. And it was for the school of womanly arts. Mm. They featured me and it was a desire of mine. I had set the intention cause they did like these cool people that they were interviewing. And I was like, I want to be one of those cool people to interview. <laughs> and literally a day later, guess what? I get an email being like, we've decided that you're going to be the last of the series we want it to be so big we want you to do inviting abundance and i was like hell's fucking yeah i am so ready to be like this <laughs> and of course like that fa- uh, that voice of doubt being like am i really living in abundance and then i was like yeah i'm fucking living in abundance so like own this shit write this shit and um it's a, it's such a good thing but um my parents really so while they taught me something that was so powerful which is setting intention and asking for what you want the missing link that I've actually, I think, discovered this past year has been, so you set the intention, whatever it is you want. And my dad used to say, it'll come, it'll come, it'll come. Just, you have to put it out there and it'll come, right? Mm -hmm. But you have to see it, you have to want it, you have to force it. And now I'm like, no, 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 no. The first step is really figuring out what you want and understanding why you want it, right? Mm-hmm. I want a million dollars. Well, a million dollars is not going to show up just because you write a you know check for a million dollars and keep it above your ceiling or whatever they tell you to do in the secret. But I think the actual art of abundance is the even better, right? So if you say you want a million dollars right now or whatever it is, I want a beautiful car and understand why do you want it? I want, okay, here we go. I want a beautiful convertible that I can get into. And when I take the top down, I just feel so free, right? You feel that energetic shift. Mm. It's not just about the car. It's about my feelings about the car and what it's going to make me feel. Mm. And we're all like energetic beings, right? Like everything is atoms and energy in our universe, right? We're all made up of basically the same stuff. So what I've, I mean, and I may be completely wrong about this. I don't know, but this is how I, this is how I feel is right for me. That is, I understand why I want something and I really understand and I feel it cellularly, cellularly, and I can just feel what it feels like to slip into that gorgeous car and put the top down and go to the beach or wherever hiking. And then I say, or even better. So I want this beautiful car or even better. Mm. And the even better takes the control away because I don't actually have any control in this universe. We do, none of us do. We think we have control, but really we're small little pieces of this huge, beautiful universe, right? That can ultimately just go away instantly. So yeah. there's no such thing as this control. So anytime I set an intention, I say, I want this or even better. So I'm mm. letting go of the outcome. And I think that's really important because you can sit there being like, why is it not here? I really wanted that car. I really don't understand. I, I put it on my board. I put it on everything. And I'm like, fucking torch that board, let it go. And something better will come. And you know, shit comes. It might not be that, that car. It might be something else that comes into your life. And you're like, holy shit, I actually needed this so much more. And I didn't even know. And by letting go of that control and letting go, letting in the even better, you let stuff happen. Mm-hmm. And by letting stuff happen, you get stuff, you get exactly what you need. Yeah. Always. And the even better allows even, like, we're also, the other side to this is that we're limited in our thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we think we know everything that we need to have right now. But what if you don't need that car? 
what if you need a helicopter? Um, you know, like obviously, duh. <laughs> you know, like, or what about like, you think you need money to go to school or I mean, I'm like, I'm like cars, clearly I'm in a place of abundance. I'm thinking cars and convertibles, but like, what if you just need money to go to school or to get lunch, you know? And I'm sure many of us have been there where you just don't have enough of like things that you actually need. And by stating the even better, it's like, maybe you just won't get lunch. Maybe you'll get lunch for an entire year Mm. because by saying I need lunch, lunch right now, limits you to what you're actually capable of. You're Mm. capable of having so much more than what you state, but sometimes our minds are limited in thinking what we need is this big, a morsel of food Mm. when it could actually be a banquet that comes to you. And so right now you feel like I just need a morsel of food and you state, I just need a morsel of food or even better. And then you realize that all of a sudden you're opening up the universe, yourself, your audience, whoever is listening to the fact that you're open to receiving so much more than what you are capable of assuming you deserve. Hmm. That's really good. It's like game changing. I love the even, even, or even better or even better. That's huge. So fucking big. Huge. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. (laughs) I always, you know, when I, sometimes I say things and I'm like, I know I just, it's so right for me when like everything just like, God, that feels so good. I want to do that right now. You know, I want to go roll around and even better. And it's, it's true. It's like we forget how limited we are in our thinking that we need this when it could be so much more. Or even better. Or even better. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, there's something I want to touch on a little bit before we close up here. But we earlier we were talking about, well, risk, first of all, which is huge in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about your friend Seth Godin and the book that he gave you and like mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you can dive into a little bit more, but how do you, you work with risk yeah. and how that shifted your perspective on risk? Yeah. So I met Seth uh, a little while ago and um, he sent me his whole collection of books and I didn't even know, I, like, I knew who Seth Godin was, but I didn't really know who he was. Like, I never read one of his books. And the biggest book he sent me, which is like, has a big rubber ducky on it. It's like, you could fail. And I was like, what? And I, I think about that actually on a daily basis. And I'm like, yeah, I could fail. But the thing is, is that what is failure? Mm. Right? Like, yeah, I may make a stupid decision that I lose my, and I, I don't even use the word stupid. I may make a decision that makes me ends up losing something that's valuable to me right now. And that may seem like failure, but it never is. It's like the girl that got away. Is she really mm-hmm. the girl that got away or the school I didn't get into? Is that really the school I didn't get into or did I get into the perfect school? And so risk and um i feel like my risk tolerance is like out of control right now i'm like just bring it on and like whatever we'll see what happens and i feel like a lot of entrepreneurs i know right now it's like and it's definitely an adrenaline rush right like you go through one risk and you're like oh i just survived that Hmm. like i am a rock star i can i can go through anything and the truth is is that every day we choose to get up and every day we could fail and what failure is and how you define it. Like for me, failure is not showing up. Failure mm. to me is laying in bed all day and not wanting to get out of bed because I'm afraid of showing up. Ooh. You know? And so understanding what what failure is, like, okay, I you know, you may fail in a relationship. 
you know, and that hurts and that sucks. And it, you go through whatever you go through going through it, you know? Yeah. And, but maybe that is like, maybe that takes you to wherever it, it actually always takes you. I'm going to state it. I'm just, not, I'm not even gonna like tiptoe around it. It always takes you on a bigger and better journey and it's just preparing you mm. because if you don't fail, you don't know how great everything is. I have failed so many times in my life. And you know, it's, it's funny. I think that people think, especially right now with everything going on with my business, I think people are like, oh my God, she's got everything put together. Like she's got the life, she's got the man, she's got like this, she's on next show. Like everything's happening for her. Right. And I've been like, I've been, I've been preparing for this moment for 30 years. Mm. I have, I have been cut from teams. I have like, I mean, I've gone through battlefields to get to where I am. Yeah. It's not just the last four years. I have gone through everything. Mm. I've been willing to risk everything. I've been, I mean, again, a thousand dollars in my bank account taking on a company that takes over $30,000 a month and just burn, you know, plus, 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 <laughs> and had no idea how to do it. And I still sometimes don't know how to do it. And it always just happens sometimes. And sometimes it feels rough. And I mean, I feel, I, I would feel like a failure if I didn't, if I was too afraid to fail. Mm. You know, I try hat designs. I send lookbooks to editors and stylists and celebrities and they're like, mm, not for me. And yeah, but that doesn't feel like failure anymore. So yeah. my, my, but I, I guess what I'm saying is define what failure is to you. Ask yourself, is it really real? Like, if I don't go into this relationship or if I don't take, I guess we're talking entrepreneurship here, right? If I don't take the steps I need to take right now to be the entrepreneur I want to be, are you, is it failure, right? And what does failure look like? Does it mean losing tons of money? Does it mean having to move onto the street? Like, what does that look like? Mm. And then when you realize, I mean, for me, I was like, well, I, and I think about this sometimes. I'm like, okay, well, I could be homeless at some point. And then I'm like, no, I've got such a great community of friends. And like, I could probably sleep on Nick's couch at this point, you know, or like sleep on a balcony somewhere. Like, okay. But you know what? I Oh, and you'll see this time and time again. And doing my research with like CEOs and entrepreneurs, you realize they fail more often than not. Mm-hmm. And that is just part, it's part of the game. And if you're yeah. going to show up and you're going to play the game, you play the game as hard as you can. You get dirty, you get wet, you, you get everything that you need to get on. Mm. And it's the people who are not afraid to do that and to say yes to those challenges that are the people who succeed. But I guarantee you anybody that you think is like, oh man, they've got the life, they've got it all together. They're constantly failing. Mm-hmm. They just make it look good. Yeah. And they show up. They show up. That's huge. Have to. I love that you, and you said can't that. have that. You can't just have your toe, right? You got to jump in. Mm. You got to go full body, like into that cold fucking lake, <laughs> you know? Cause like a lot of us are like for a long time, I thought I was showing up because yeah. it felt like I was showing up, but you know that you're not showing up when you don't have, you're not getting any results, right? Good and bad. Somebody said, I love this. Somebody once said, I knew I was successful because I started getting hate mail. And I remember at the time I must've been like 22 and I was like, that seems really odd. Like when you're successful, you're getting love notes, right? Like not hate mail, you're getting love notes. And I remember thinking like, no, and now I totally get it. You don't, you, you get the hate mail. You got to, in order for me to make great hats, people have to hate what I'm fucking doing. Yeah. Like people have to say that is shitty ass hats. Those are like ugly designs. Like, who are you? I could never wear that. And I get people like that all the time. who are like, that's kind of weird. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Because you, when you come into my studio, when you come into my factory, when you see my collection, you see me. 
Mm-hmm. And it's scary because I put it out there and it might just be like a product, but it's not a product. You're seeing my whole soul. You're seeing, you're seeing my, you're seeing my jump, my dive in. You're seeing my fucking, I swan dive into that lake every day. <laughs> you know, I show up swan diving and dancing into that lake. And I so recommend everybody try doing that and being a little bit more fearless and saying yes to things and asking yourself, are you, is your toe in? Right. A lot of people whose toe are in, it's like, there's no movement. Mm-hmm. That's my, I guess that's my point. They hate me all the love notes. Like there's no movement in staying likable. Yeah. And so go get some fucking like hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if, if everyone likes what you're doing, you're probably doing something wrong. Exactly. Exactly. If everybody likes what you're doing, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> that's good. Yeah. That's good. We should just like start a t-shirt company and just like <laughs> sit here talking about things and just like write down like, yeah, get hate mail, you know, period. Make it or like make it a statement, oh, right? Like oh, oh, do it. That's coming. That's coming. Right? That's, that's the next adventure. Yeah, uh, totally. I love it. Well, there's one last question and I could, I feel like we could just keep jamming. I know. I love this. Maybe, maybe there might be a part two, <laughs> but it's such good stuff. But the, the one question I'd love to ask everybody on, on my show here is is what does live inspiration Mm. mean to you? (sighs) Live inspiration. So until I took over this factory, um, I don't think I lived inspiration. Mm. And now it's like, I get love notes from some women saying, you're inspiring me to take action. And I feel like I'm living inspiration and I used to think that like I need to give back to the community. I need to, and I do, but like I, like I thought that my business had a directly link to something really good. And I realized just myself showing up and playing a hard game, like showing up to play really hard mm-hmm. is living inspiration. I am inspiring other entrepreneurs to say yes to their fucking dreams. Like I'm saying, go for it. It yeah. sucks. It's dirty. And I like do not sugarcoat things. I'm like, think about this <laughs> twice before you're getting into it, but do it because it's so fucking fun on the other side. Right. But I think that I do that every day because I am inspiring people. I mean, I get notes every day now and I'm like, how did I get so fucking lucky to get emails from women that I've never even met who read this blog post or now follow us on Facebook or Instagram and they're like, oh my God, like you're living the life that I want to, but you know what? You've just shown me what my desire is. You're showing me something Mm. that I want. And that to me is living inspired, living inspirationally, living in a way that shows people how to live in, to, to come to that next level of where I am. And mm-hmm. you know what? I'm putting the ladder down and I'm saying, come join me. Let's go have fun. And you know what? There's somebody above me who's putting the ladder down for me right now. And there's somebody who's ahead of them who's putting the ladder down for them. And we're all together in this. Mm. And we're all saying, come join us because the next step up is fucking awesome. Yes. That was beautiful. Oh. I love it. I love being here. I don't want to leave. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> One day you're going to be like, I'm going to like come knocking on the door and be like, Hey Nick, can we just like hop on like the microphones and play for a little bit? <laughs> well, let's do more of it. This is super inspiring to me. Cool. And, um, for all of you out there, uh, we just did actually, I went to the, to Satya's studio the other day and we did, we, we made a custom hat and it's awesome. I love it. And we actually filmed it. So you guys will be able to see that on video. But if you're in New York City, you should go in and check it out. And mm-hmm. I'll let Satya tell us how you can do that, how we can connect with, how can we connect with you through the internets and yeah. uh, follow you on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Cool. Yeah. Um, so our factory is by appointment only because people show up all the time. We're like, oh my God. 
God, I can't get any work done. But um, you can go to our website, which is S-A-T-Y-A-T-W-E-N-A.com. Same thing, same Satya, Twina, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, and you can shoot us an email on any of those platforms, I think. Well, not Instagram. I guess you can direct message on Instagram. But shoot us an email. Come on by. Tweet us. Um, post a photo on Instagram asking how. That would be pretty cool. You know what? We should do mm. something crazy. Oh. We should do something where anybody who listens could post something on Instagram. And let's say like a month from now or three weeks from now, the person who's posted something that's like, I don't know. How do we even create something like this? Like the most inspiring post, mm. like photographically. I don't know. Let's pull in some like art into it. Like can come in and make a free hat. Oh, how about I like that? that? I like, like that. I will pay for them to make a hat in my factory. And you know what? We'll even put Nick's um, beautiful saying, which is create your moments. We'll even tag it onto your hat. How about that? Yeah. And you can hashtag create your moments because that's perfect. actually what create your moments is. It's a hashtag about living intentionally. So. That's perfect. We will create an amazing moment for you to make an amazing hat, but you have to use the hashtag create your moments. Yes. And you have to do something that is like blows our minds so nick and i will like talk about it and maybe we could post more about it but like blow our minds out of the water and i will and by the way it's like a 450 dollar experience so post something awesome nick and i will like decide on who gets it and then we'll We'll go from there yeah we'll put it in the show notes we'll put it in the intro when we actually record when i record that later down the road but do it it's awesome check out the website check out satya's stuff it's super cool i'm probably gonna have a huge hat collection pretty soon But thanks for coming on. It was super inspiring. Ah, such my pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Shop Talk Radio with special guest Satya Twina. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could help us out and inspire even more people by leaving us a review over on iTunes, getting the word out by tweeting or Facebooking this episode. We would love to see where you're listening to the show, so take a photo, post it up on Instagram, hashtag ShopTalkRadio, at ReplyMe, at Nick Onkin, and show us where you're being inspired. Also, don't forget to enter the contest as we'll be choosing a winner November 19th. So get your submission in and we will see you next time. Next time.